episode 94 of This Developing Story. Alright, what's up y'all? Back again with another episode of This Developing Story. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of research early this year on creating content uh, and a lot about uh, YouTube actually. And there was one person who just kept coming up in my feed uh, and getting shared on Twitter, which was James Q. Quick. And uh, so I eventually reached out to him and said, hey, we should have you on the podcast. And uh, when I say podcast, I mean Jamstack Radio. Well, long story short, uh, became friends and actually found out that we uh, both share a connection to my hometown. Uh, so got a chance to meet him in person a couple months ago and then thought, hey, need to have you share your story on this podcast. With that said, I just want to share this story with y'all. I hope you all enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, I am. I'm a staff developer advocate uh, at Planet Scale uh, as of middle of November. So it's been a month and a half, almost two months. Uh, Taylor, who is, uh, I always say in the chat, like I'm streaming on Twitch, <laughs> uh, but Taylor, who's hanging out and listening, uh, is one of my awesome teammates there at Planet Scale and the DevRel team. Uh, so I've been there a little over a month and a half. Before that, I was in DevRel Developer Relations at All Zero. Reference will be in the chat there. And. Uh, yeah, I've been doing some combination of uh, creating content and teaching and development professionally for about 10 years. So I actually have a computer science degree, uh, not from any like foresight of my own, really just kind of random. I was I got accepted into college and was going to engineering school and they were like, you need to pick a major. And I was like, I don't really know what of these things I would do. I, I didn't like chemistry. Um, so I didn't want to do like biomed or anything like that. Um, I didn't like bio, so I, I don't know. I didn't know what to do. So I picked computer science. Luckily I fell in love with it. It was a pretty hit or miss thing. I think like people on the CS 101 course either really enjoyed it or really, really hated it. Um, and I happened to enjoy it and stuck with it and then was interviewing for roles my senior year and, uh, got turned down at Microsoft twice. Actually, uh, one was kind of awkward. I flew out to DC for final interviews and it was a bunch of people that interviewed and the people who didn't get the position, they sent us back to the hotel in a limo. So it was like, that was our consolation of like getting to ride in a limo as we didn't get the job. That's uh, that is <laughs> the, the, I've heard some weird interview stories uh, and I've got a couple, but we'll focus on you. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, a limo? Like, is this the Balmer era? What's the deal with that? This would have been Balmer. Yep. This was pre-Satya. Uh, um, so yeah, this was, this was Balmer. I don't know. It, it felt super weird. Like, I, I also didn't... I mean, it was like a, a limo full of six people that just got rejected for a job. Like, we flew all the way out there. We stayed uh, two days oh in D.C. or whatever. And then we're all just, like, quietly sitting in this limo and the 20-minute ride back to the hotel. Anyway... Um, it's probably still warm and they're like, ah, oh, you know what, rather than get you, uh, get you a cab, why don't you just take this limo back and yes. enjoy yourself. <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. It was not the most enjoyable, but it was a good experience. Um, but the, the interesting thing about that is, and for people who go through interviews and, and get rejected, like we all do, um, it was two jobs at Microsoft that I got turned down for before finding the third. And that really came from like, People that interviewed me didn't feel like I was a fit for those two specific roles, but thought I would be a good fit for Microsoft. And that was kind of the way they did their interviews was like, yes, no. And um, the middle ground was like, good fit for Microsoft, just not this role. So they found a technical evangelist position 
which uh, similar to what we consider a developer advocate now doing workshops and teaching and public speaking and creating content and all those things. Um, and so I interviewed for that and that went really well. So I started at Microsoft uh, first job out of college as a technical evangelist in South Florida, did that for a year and a half, moved up to New York City, did that area for a year and a half. And really interestingly, like I immediately was like giving talks and stuff to the like room full of developers that have been writing code longer than I had been alive at times, like in the .NET community with people who had been around a long time. So that was kind of an intimidating and abrupt learning process. Like they say trial by fire or whatever. It was pretty much like, all right, now you go out there in the world, what you can do. So it was an intimidating and a little bit scary, uh, but just an amazing learning experience to all of a sudden be a professional and be able to kind of run my own events and get up there and start speaking and uh, teaching other people. Wow. That's, that's pretty cool. And you, um, what year was that when you, when you joined as a technical evangelist? It was the summer of 2013. But um, yeah, I mean, that's before I even knew DevRel technical evangelism mm-hmm. was even a thing. Um, you know, it's funny. I actually, I knew it was a thing, but I knew like the Guy Kowski from Apple because mm-hmm. uh, I had... I did a lot of, t- um, I was getting my MBA when I was learning how to code and, uh, which is like a complete footnote that I, I always fail to, to mention. Um, but I did a lot of, um, uh, I did my first disc from Google and I also included a bunch of like early Apple, like up and coming, how the Apple basically succeeded, uh, in part of that dissertation. So that's that <laughs> some other day, but, uh, yeah, anyway, what I'm getting at is like the original technical evangelists, uh, and sort of going, t- um, city to city in all user groups was because of guy Kawasaki. Yep. Yeah. And uh, just like you said, like you hadn't outside of him, you hadn't really heard of that type of role. And I think especially at the time, like almost no one had that this never crossed my mind. I never had any idea that there were job opportunities that weren't just writing code uh, nine to five, right? Like I just assumed that's what all roles were. And I think the cool thing now is that started to change. Like there's much more, uh, DevRel, developer relations, developer advocate opportunities. It's a growing field. It seems more and more like a necessary part of a growing company. I think both of, both you and I would, and several people in the chat would probably uh, agree with it. So it's there's definitely more of those opportunities now. But at the time, I had no idea what that position was going into it and then still had lots to learn even after they told me a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's it's what's interesting is I the way I found myself in the DevRel is because I was doing DevRel without knowing it was a thing. So like mm-hmm. I wrote a blog post, I was creating like some video, not too much, doing tons of podcasting and like guesting on podcasts, uh, just because I, I was just a heavy podcast listener. And what I found out that I was like, I was like eligible to be in a DevRel role, like I didn't really believe or even like have interest in pursuing it because I was just kind of in my mind like you learn how to code to be an engineer and then you'd be an engineer to be a senior and then you become like (laughs) a staff and then you become, you know, whatever the next one is. Yeah. Yeah. Engineer 12 or whatever. I'm not sure (laughs) how many numbers at the end of that. But then at that point you go start a new startup or you go into management. Um, And I just never considered DevRel until the the founders at the last company I worked at was just kind of like, Hey, you're doing the job. Can we just give you the title? And like you focus on this. Um, And yeah, which is, it's crazy that your your first intro was in that that space, which is not, not not too crazy. Like there's tons of people who their first job is in DevRel, but um, yeah, just being able to now you're sitting here and you're working at an up and coming company. Um, I'm curious what is what does success look like for 
for being a developer advocate? Yeah, um, I think like specifically for me, um, this is something uh, need to do some talking more with my team. Uh, I've got some some that's a plan out. So I've been there a month and a half, and I need to try to set for myself goals that are reasonable for me, and then uh, that align with the team and align for the goals of the company drive. But um, typical goals that developer relations teams are looking for one is exposure, right? Like if you build a product. You have to have people that are going to use it. If you think about something like Uber or really any other product that gets started, um, you could have the most amazing technology, but if no one knows about it, it doesn't really do you any good. So you have to have exposure out there. Uh, then some of it's like showing people why why they need it, why they could use it, why it would be beneficial for them. And I think yeah. that starts, I always reference this and it sounds a little cliche, but I think it always starts with earning uh, trust by providing value in the community first. Um, so I almost, in, in none of the DevRel jobs I've had, I almost never lead conversations with, I work for so-and-so, I think you should use it. It's more like getting to know PDs that they're already in, being on Twitter spaces and live streams and meetups and conferences, being there and being a part of the conversation and just being genuine with people. And then like as I create content that references PlanetScale in this case uh, or any other company, I've already kind of uh, earned people's trust to now they now they're kind of interested in what I have to share. They may never use the product. They may never check it out. But um, having earned that trust means a little bit of visibility for the stuff that we create. Um, so there's a lot of community engagement. There's a huge teaching aspect of it. Um, I think that has secretly been the number one thing in my career that I've just really enjoyed and never quite thought of myself as a teacher, although I have been an instructor for boot camp uh, twice, actually. But that's where this like passion for content comes from. Like all the things that come along with DevRel, speaking at conferences, creating YouTube videos, being on Twitter, like all these things come from a place of wanting to share with other people and help them grow and help them learn. Um, so I never grew up wanting to be a teacher per se, but I think that's a lot of what I do now. And the, I think the last big chunk of this is not only not only like stuff out there externally, uh, but going the other way around and taking in feedback from people. So again, yeah. if I'm a trusted resource for people as they potentially try out the product, they're going to give me real feedback. They're going to say this thing really, or this is really good, or hey, here's a suggestion on something you might change. And one of the cool things about being at a much younger company for me and PlanetScale at this point is like that feedback is extremely valuable because I've already had like feedback that I've shared like in the first two weeks of working there. And like an hour later, they're like, all right, we updated this and it's good to go. Like, that's really cool for me to not only provide my feedback, but also to be the avenue for other people in the community to provide feedback and then see that actually make a change in the product. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love that too. That awareness thing and like being able to, to be that sort of conduit for the feedback. Like you're, you're at the time, I, I don't plan to scale is pretty, they're pretty new a couple of years. Well, they've been around for a handful of years, but um, the team's been growing in the last year for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's something that can't be missed. I think a lot of times telling people, like a lot of people don't know that they need, they need something like a plan of scale. Um, and like being able to educate someone and build that awareness is it's, it's probably most, one of the most exciting things about DevRel for me and developer advocacy is being able to build that awareness of like, Hey, you know what you, you the way you're doing, you're being a developer and you're shipping code, it's working. But what if we can improve the experience like 10%? Mm -hmm. And like when that aha moment comes through, it's like, oh, you know what? You, what you said was actually correct, but it was 20% improvement of my productivity. 
then that's that's what then becomes this sort of advertisement for like imagine a developer uses Planet Scale and now they're telling all their developers that they yeah. didn't use Planet Scale and that's where you sort of get that the the hooks which is like like I I shy away from like using streaming and sales terms but that's kind of <laughs> what you do want to build awareness so that way people they can't they don't want to leave Planet Scale because it's it's too easy uh, and now they're, they're basically stuck in using the best database scaling solution. Uh, known demand, which um, I'm just sort of just throwing words out there. You'll have, to, <laughs> you'll have to confirm that with some of your content in the next couple months. No, I think we I think we should just quote that and put that on all <laughs> of our banners from now on is exactly what you just said. You touched on um, the marketing aspect of it, and it, it is really interesting. I feel like DevRel has never quite fully fit no matter what part of the organization you put yourself in. Like at Microsoft, we are part of the sales team or part of the sales org, and we went to this big sales conference and they're using words like customers, which us and, and Deborah, we almost never use customers. We're just talking about developers in general. And so it, like, it was kind of an uncomfortable thing. Like it was fun to be there, but it was just like, none of it seemed super relevant to us. And then some of the marketing speak that like, if you're in marketing, it just never is a full fit because it's a little bit unique, but like in the marketing world, we're still driving the same goals, right? We're driving that exposure. We're driving people to use the product to provide feedback. If they have a good experience, like you said, they're going to DevRel for you and they're going to share with their friends. And then they'll take that back to their office and say, hey, I know we need a new database solution that does this thing. Here's one that I've been using and I really like it. So like, even though it, it like is not a perfect fit for a lot of places, there is so much overlap because we're driving a lot of the same as marketing and sales uh, long-term, but we get to do it in a much more developer-focused way. And at All Zero, it ended up becoming like a developer marketing segment of marketing, which I thought was such a perfect fit because, again, we have those similarities, but it's just specifically did at developers and the way that de- developers are looking to be interacted with and the things that developers are looking to learn and need as they expand their tool sets and build new things. Yeah, I 100% confirmed that too as well. And like, that's a question that comes up a lot is like, should DevRel be in marketing? Should it be in sales? Should it be in engineering? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like you you were in a sales organization doing DevRel at Microsoft. At PlanetScale, are you, like, did it, is it big enough that you have an org that you're in marketing or product or something? Uh, we're in marketing and we happen to have our fearless leader, Jared, is uh, listening in as well. So hopefully... I'm doing a good enough job live. Uh, but yeah, we are, we are part of marketing Okay, in, at Planet Scale. Yeah, which, which is awesome that Jared's here and, and listening to everything you say. And so, Jared... Um, <laughs> Taking notes, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, James needs a race. Uh, but <laughs> but the, the one thing that I, I like about... So, uh, at my role at GitHub, we were originally in marketing and now we're in product. And uh, I've had very distinct differences in the two since I've been at GitHub. And I, the kind of difference is that marketing had a huge budget and product has a realistic <laughs> budget. Um, so I don't know if it's the same thing at Planet Scale. Like, yeah, you don't have to divulge that. You can you can talk with Jared about this after the fact. But <laughs> it, it was different. We had different approaches uh, when we were in organization. Uh, where like, pre- previously we like, we were everywhere uh, and we wanted to be everywhere. Uh, and now with product, like we're specifically pitching uh, stories that we know can impact the product and engagement and use, usage as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually, um, I will have some budget this year to kind of do some similar stuff that I did at all zero, which is 
more external like content creator engagement. Um, I'll be looking to reach out to extra for some, um, hopefully creating some pretty amazing pieces of content. But I think to your point in uh, budgets, sales and marketing as two examples, they like those concepts have been around for a very long time. Right. And it's been uh, like using air quotes proven that like you invest money in these places and it's going to bring you X, Y, and Z. Although DevRel is so much more popular and it seems to be a growing necessity for a growing tech company, especially it's still a relatively new thing. So I think it's still a struggle. And this is one of the Jared has always done a really good job at and working with him is you're having to articulate the benefits and the outcome develop relations to people who aren't used to looking at those types of outcomes. And what I mean is like with marketing and sales, a lot of times you're looking at exact dollars, but that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the outcome and it's not, and especially not necessarily the immediate outcome of the engagement and awareness and the feedback and all that kind of stuff. So I think the continually evolving thing is being art, being able to articulate what the benefit is of DevRel in relation to those other parts of product or sales or marketing, whatever they are, and then being able to use that to advocate for budget to drive more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that too as well. And like, I think the, this, I, I definitely have like my, my, my list of random questions that I ask every DevRel person, which I can touch on a couple of those, which is we already talked about how to, what's like, what is success when it comes to DevRel, but also like metrics is another thing that comes up a ton, especially in all these DevRel conferences around how do you how do you measure that you're doing the job correctly? Uh, and the one thing that you you'd, you'd mentioned in passing is like engaging content creators um, is a, a way you can, not only can you scale the team, but also you can have a, a very clear metric of like, hey, you know what, we got uh, these YouTubers to do a quick uh, interview with one of our, about planet scale or or github or etc or whatever and like that's a number you can put to that but what i love about that and i, I mentioned this to you offline in our conversation irl um like one of my biggest like things that i love doing is like this conversation that we're having right now yes i, I we've chatted before and i want i want your story to be out there and i want you to be able to uh make sure that everybody knows that what you're doing at planet scale and what you've done in devrel should be heard but also I love the connection that we have. Uh, so like in the future, if GitHub's doing a thing and I need uh, somebody in the data space uh, to, you know, talk about like right now I'm working on this and making sure that we can container containerize environments. So that way things just work out of the box. Well, if we need to understand how we can get my SQL working in a, a dev container on a code space, uh, I'm going to be reaching for someone at planet scale to help test this out <laughs> and build some valuable content. And if it's not you, it's someone else on the team or somebody within your network who is an expert in that space. And, uh, and that's what I do pretty much every week whenever I make, make a meeting with it, like the interviews like this is like, I now have a network of folks yeah. some of my efforts with. Yeah, it's huge. That's like, I think that's one of the reasons that for me, like 2020 starting off COVID and all that kind of stuff. Like I had just started DevRel at all zero and I had been out of that space for a while. So I hadn't been traveling to many conferences, but I, had been online and I was so excited to then have a full-time position to be traveling and meeting and engaging with these people that I've been talking to online in person. Like that was what I was so excited about. So that was extremely disappointing to not have that aspect of it. Similar to you though, like I did weekly live stream um, over the past year and a half or so bringing guests on. And it's just so amazing because I just enjoy talking to people. I enjoy learning about their backgrounds. 
I enjoy learning about their products. And most importantly, or not most importantly, but another aspect of that is like, if I have a question about a product that I want to use, I can go to that person or those couple of people directly and not just get lost in a forum. Like, I think that's a huge advantage that I slash we would both have is you have that connection to go and talk to somebody and get a much better answer in my mind than and quicker answer than going to an open forum where you don't know necessarily when you'll get that response. So on the, like my DevRel side of this, being a developer advocate, I think it's important not, not to just like represent the company. I think it's important for me to be my own person that is connected to the company, if that makes sense. And let me clarify a little bit more. When people think about PlanetScale or whatever company I'm working at or anyone else uh, is doing DevRel at, I want them to think of the company, but also an individual that they trust and they can go and ask those questions because they have that relationship. So that is a huge thing. I'm glad you brought that up again. And another reason why it was so exciting, I think, for us or for me, for us to person a few weeks ago. Yeah, and I, I wanted to ask another one of these uh, hot hit, hitting questions, <laughs> which is around influencers. And I'll, I'll use that to influencer. Um, curious if you if you like the term influencer and, and, and what that like means inside of developer spaces, but also do you have to be an influencer to do DevRel? I think like most of the answer comes down to how you define influencer. Yeah. And, and the, at the end of the day, I don't really care. Like, yes, I think everybody that does any amount of DevRel is an influencer of some sort. Like you can't, you can't not have an influence on people. If you create a YouTube video, you can't not have an influence. If you speak at a conference and people listen to you, you can't not be an influencer. If you're on Twitter and people pay attention to the stuff that you tweet. So like, regardless of what specific definitions people may have, yes, I consider everybody that does any amount of content to be an influencer. The one thing I also have learned as I've gained more of a following in this space is that that does come with a bigger and bigger responsibility. Um, and you see people either get called out publicly or not publicly behind the scenes for things that they said or done or not paying attention to how it affects different people. It is, it is a big responsibility to make sure that the stuff that you create is inclusive for your audiences and it's engaging the people of various backgrounds to encourage the continued growth in the tech ecosystem. So I think the benefit of being an influencer, it's hard. So that's like, maybe not, that's not the benefit, but there is so much of a learning opportunity. And I approach things differently almost every single day based on things that I've seen other people do or that I've seen myself do. And this is not like a big cliche, like people are doing bad things. It just is like the more exposure you have, the more people pay attention to what you say and the more effort and intentionality you have behind the things that you say and the content that you create for them. All right. So that was James good quick y'all. And, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the podcast, James does tons of content on YouTube. He actually runs a podcast, which is compressed FM with Amy Dutton. Uh, definitely check that out. Actually, I was one of the latest episodes on there as well. So, um, check that out. And, uh, if you aren't already following James on Twitter, please go follow James and tell him how much you enjoyed his story on this podcast. I would much, very much appreciate that. And, uh, with that being said, I'll see you in the next one. Nailed it.